0: Aloha, everyone. Welcome to Michelle Rundgren's podcast called Superman's Daughter. Today's episode, The Little Girl Who Sings to Me. That doesn't sound like a real voice. Anyway, Mom's Day is coming up. Good time to reflect on the meaningful or fun thoughts about Mom or any woman in your life who's influenced you. For the good, for the good. Maybe we'll have to have a show about the good bad influences. <laughs> okay. Uh the good influences about the woman in your life or mom specifically for me because it's mom's day. I'll tell you my stories and we're gonna listen or read your stories. So I thought I'd start out telling two fun stories, each one about our moms, Todd's and mine. Ruth. And Patricia, or Patty. Now, both stories are short and happened shortly before each of our moms died. Ruth was hospitalized when she was 93, I believe. I bet you guys know even better. Um, 92 or 93? Well, for quite a while, she had mused about how difficult it was to have your brain function perfectly while your body didn't life had gotten really hard for her physically and she couldn't hold her head up she had to lay down often and that was boring she's like her son she needs intellectual stimulation (laughs) in her last weeks she was hospitalized her body was weak but her mind was sharp and then one of those days came those days that the doctors see every day Well, that came for Ruth in early April. The doctor and nurse came into the room to see that Ruth Rundgren had passed. She was pale, not breathing, slack-jawed. The doctor reached over to confirm no pulse when, Surprise! April Fools! (laughs) Ruth had played dead on purpose and would live two more weeks to torture them the whole time (laughs) but in a good way in a fun way she was actually really funny even though uh her her tone of voice which many of you remember it didn't didn't have too much fluctuation in it but (laughs) that just cracked us up knowing that um she just played dead on purpose thanks to dc for reminding me of this next story that was the ruth Rundman story and yes she did die a couple of weeks later and but had a, a tremendous life we'll we'll talk about her at some point i think she would have been happy if happiest if she'd been like a college professor she was super smart but in those days uh what was it nurse teacher secretary oh i'm so glad i was born when i was born okay Again, back to this thank thank you dc for reminding me of this next story And it was uh, D.C. that sent me the picture that you guys see. (laughs) If you want to know what I'm going to look like in my late 80s, that's it. (laughs) Near the end of my mom's life, our mom's life, Patty Gray, Mom would participate in all the parties that the assisted living facility sponsored. There were always fun things going on. Bands playing, theme parties... Now, this party that you can see in the picture, I believe it was a South American theme featuring music and food from said South American area. Maybe it's Guatemala. Maybe it was all of South America. I don't know. And they brought in a live freaking llama. It is a live llama. And they dressed it up in native South American wear. All the residents were given carrots. And the llama wandered from table to table to be fed the carrots by the residents. Many of the residents were very hesitant to feed the llama. Like they didn't want to touch the llama or get near its face or anything. But not our mom. Where did I get the showbiz gene, huh? Yep. Mom stuck her carrots in her mouth and face-fed the llama. Of course, she enjoyed the pilaf. The applause. The applause. The applause. I haven't even been drinking. Oh, maybe that's the problem. Anyway, she did enjoy the applause. Way to go, mom. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna turn my levels up here a little bit. Thanks for hanging in there, you guys. All right, Tina and I'm going right into the questions. Uh, Tina and Michael from Eugene said, Oh, one more question I kept wanting to ask at the individualist shows, but forgot every time. What do you and Todd like to read? Hmm. Well, right now, he's reading mostly his own code. Um, he hasn't had a book in a really, really long time because he's been creating so many things, lots of code to do something new, and lots of music. But he's read, I, th- I think, if I were to guess, all his, fa- his favorite books come from Greg Bear, uh, a sci-fi writer. And you know how picky... Todd is, so Greg Bear must be really good. Um, mine? Oh, boy. Um, I When I read, I don't normally have time to read. So the only time I read is on a plane. So I like to be totally, uh, what do you call it, transported somewhere else. I like to just uh, be mindless. I read a lot of James Patterson books. I can read the whole book on a five-hour five-hour, 15-minute flight from Kauai to the mainland. So I've read all of them, and I just bam, 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 bam. So I think the reason I like those kinds of books is because my dad and I, when my dad was a cop, would trade, uh, you know, thrillers and, and, and novels like that, where there's a, a good cop and a bad guy. And <laughs> when we were pretty particular, though, about the language and the science used in those And uh, so we we trade books back and forth. So I also get such a warm heart when I'm reading something like that, because it makes me feel like I'm still connected to my dad. Um, Also, one of the things that really helped get me out, I had a little bit of a depression. I think all of us do, especially now. Are you finding that some days you're a little tiny bit depressed, maybe even like 18 times a day, and then the next day it's just like, whoop, all, all done, all gone, and there's no difference in the day. So I just go with it. I just accept it, like, okay, I'm depressed for this hour, and maybe next hour I won't be. Let's go into the garden and get muddy. Um, my friend Mama Rosa, good friend of mine, lives in, lived on Kauai, now in Portland, Oregon, turned me on to Byron Katie. And I really love reading Byron Katie. It's, um, I guess, because she's just gone through hell and she's still so positive. And my mother was extremely positive. Almost nothing could get her down. You know, we would mimic her when when friends would come to the house. She was always like, oh, can I get you a cup of coffee? Can I get you some lunch? Would you need to stay for dinner? How about you want to run away from home? Do you need a liver? So, So Byron Katie... Uh reminds me of if my mom could have uh, marketed her heart and her brain. <laughs> uh, how, oh, you know what? That reminds me. I keep meaning to open up this gift that... Um, I'm going to do it a little later. Murph. Uh, Murph gave me this little gift I told you about in the last couple episodes, and I found it. So it's a little jar of W- wishes when you n- want them. No, it just says wishes when you want them. <laughs> I got to read one of those today. And Byron Katie made me think of that. Well, why? Let's just read one right now. I haven't opened this in years. And I think I described it to you guys. It's just a little jar, a miniature canning jar. And she put a bow around it. And made a little sign when wishes when you want them. And she took tiny pieces of paper, wrapped them up in little cylinders, and then put a little bit of glitter, uh, silver glitter on the end so that you unwrap them slowly. Let's see what she says. Because I talked about being depressed off and on, which I'm not normally. Okay. My wish is that you unleash your creativity once in a while, even if you don't think you're creative. See, isn't that cool? That is so cool. Thank you, Murph. (laughs) I did unleash my creativity today. Went out and planted a bunch of plants today. And then I filmed a video, which you'll have to look out for Intoxicats. uh, uh, Rick and Amy came up with this really great idea. Put put together a track, and we're all filming stuff from our home. And he's going to put it all together, and it'll be out soon. So keep checking for Intoxicats. Denise Andrasani. Um, hi, Michelle. My sister Pamela and I met you and Todd as you were leaving Barnes & Noble Bookstore on April 14th in Virginia during the individual, uh, individual tour. Sorry, I burped. I had three sips of beer. We weren't late, but as you were leaving, we popped in for autographs. <laughs> That's right. You weren't late. We just finished early, and then you know, I, I'm married to a very impatient man who wants to get on to the next thing um you'll never know oh you both graciously waited till my sister parked her car and signed our books you will never know how much that meant to us so thank you for that you're welcome it was great you guys were really funny my suggestion for a name potobiography really good but yeah we, it's superman's daughter but that's good denise uh so just a suggestion please stay safe healthy and uh, so we can see each other again aloha Okay. Thank you, Denise. Thank you. Thank you. Another one from Robbie. Says, hi, Michelle. Just listened to your second podcast. What fun. Looking forward to more. I was wondering if you could do me a small favor. In the early 70s, I worked at a record store in North Palm Beach, Florida. One of my co-workers was a large fellow named Ralph Malone. He was close to six feet tall, around 200 pounds, thick glasses, as was the style at the time, had long black hair. It was hot and humid Florida summer day when he came running into our store dripping with sweat. He had an LP with him and said, You gotta hear this! This guy does everything himself! It's great! (laughs) Well, of course it was. Something, anything. And I was knocked out by it. Thanks to Ralph, I've been told a Todd fan fanatic ever since. Many, many years later, I'm sorry, I never thought to thank Ralph for introducing me to the Toddiverse. <laughs> I like that, Toddiverse. I think it's safe to say, once a Todd fan, always a Todd fan. And hopefully Ralph has been following all things associated with Todd, including your wonderful podcasts. So in hopes he's still with us and listening, if it's not too much trouble... Could you give a shout out to Ralph Malone and say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you (laughs) for introducing me to Todd and his music and all things associated with him. With it. (laughs) If you'd like to save this for a How Did You First Hear Todd segment, that's cool. And thank you, Michelle, for doing these podcasts. Oh, you're welcome. No, I'm not going to save it. (laughs) I guess I already read it. But that is a good idea and it might fit into the next podcast. Well, oh, up to everybody. Remember, as you listen to these podcasts, you can still write and send me things that have to do with past podcasts because we can still read those stories. Rebecca Shute. Hi, Michelle. I love your podcast. Look forward to more of your infectious enthusiasm stories and laugh. My mother's fault. Uh, that's me saying that. Um, she says, Major Todd fan here and became a fan of yours and Shandy's during Second Wind Sessions, attended three of them. And nearly human tour as I lived in Marin then. Actually had friends that lived up the hill from you in Sausalito. But I digress. I moved near Portland in 2003 after my husband passed. And then looking Shandy up online, discovered she'd moved to Eugene. So I sent her an email. And next thing I knew, she was on my doorstep with her two little doggies. Spent the weekend. Had some fun for years. Uh, Saw Todd together at the Aladdin. And went to after-show dinner with the band. She had uh, her house in Eugene. We went to the Chateau Saint-Michel to see Linda Ronstadt. We became great friends. Well, oh, and then you say, I looked up Secret Society dance that you did at Toddstock and loved it. I'm trying to get in shape during lockdown and dance a lot to Todd's music. Funny, I haven't gotten sick of any of it yet. (laughs) Don't expect I will. If you could do a video of one of the nearly human dances for us, that would be amazing. My moves could use some help. Love you, and thank you. thanks to all the fans. You're definitely wind beneath Todd's wings. Aww. Well, two things, Rebecca. Since I've been wanting to get back into shape, um, I'm looking for classes and all that stuff. So, yeah, maybe I will try to videotape the front and the back of... Uh, the front shot and the back shot of doing... Yeah, Secret Society. It's a good place to start, because it's not too... When you're up there singing, you can't move too much because you still have to, (laughs) you can't get winded. you got to sing the the dang notes he wrote. So, yeah, I'd love to do that. And I want to thank Kelly for uh, asking about Shandy because I told you in the last podcast that I called Shandy, left a message, and she called back. So we had such a great conversation. It was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. See, this podcast already made my life even more happy. And uh, so Shandy and I decided to get together next time I go to Oregon to see um, Reebop in Portland or go down to see John and Cloudy and Eugene where Shandy lives. So we're going to do that. Uh, Let's see. Marcy Kaplan says, Hi, Michelle. First of all, I have to tell you, I love the name of your new podcast and congratulations on Superman's daughter. I know it'll be huge success. (laughs) Thanks, Marcy. You kept me captivated from the moment I started listening. I was laughing. You have no filters. I know. I was. uh, Yeah. I can't believe Todd doesn't tell me to be quiet. I love your honesty and your effervescent personality. Thank you. The only complaint I have is I don't know when your podcast will be on. The first one I knew was on Friday four twenty, Hawaii time. So the following Friday I was anxiously awaiting for the second one, but to my despair, nothing. Today's Monday. I saw that you did your second one yesterday, but I didn't get any notice. Are you going to have a set schedule? I don't want to miss one. I'd like to listen from now on. Let's see. Oh, she said, although this has nothing to do with the podcast, I have to tell you, I'm sure you know your boyfriend surprised us and came on to Zoom with a lot of us Saturday. <laughs> I didn't know, and he told me later. It was so exciting, I cannot even begin to explain, but I'm sure you can imagine. A dream come through. True, to please thank him for us. I will. Uh, How many rock stars do that for his fans? We are beyond lucky to have the two of you. We talk about this all the time, just how much we appreciate you two. So thank you for everything you do. Love, Marcy. Thanks, Marcy. Uh, Can I just ignore the not once a week thing? Okay. I was going to try to do it once a week, but it's so hard because I still am working feverishly on tiki and niki lots and lots of um online classes about how you know to apply for those loans and then I applied for those loans and and tried to figure out how to save uh you know tiki and niki and take care of the 40 people lots and lots of paperwork for unemployment for my 40 employees um it's just a lot uh I can't get it on a schedule cuz for instance you know filming the video for cats that had to be done in a certain time frame. So sorry, but what I will do, my producer Joey Ray would love it if it was weekly, but I promise to put it out on Instagram and Facebook every time uh, that we put it back up. Okay, that's as good as I can get. I can't think, I'll ask producer Joey Ray if he can think of a better way to let everybody know. I- I'll do a, f- a fan page too because I realize I have three Facebook pages and they only allow 5,000 people each. And I can't fit any more in. So yeah, I was old school. All right. We have a recording. Yeah. You get to hear someone, someone else's voice. And I listened to this recording. So I cannot wait till you hear Carolyn Siddall sing. It is freaking amazing. And she sings at the end after she's spoken. So, uh, It's about an earliest memory, one of the questions I asked before. So let's hear Carolyn Siddall.
1: Hello, Michelle Mabel. Greetings from Carolyn in northeast England. So great to listen to the last two shows. Absolutely fascinating, as expected from you. Truth, heart, honesty, fun. And lots of uplifting entertainment. Absolutely loved it. You were made to do this, Michelle, dear. Anyway, um, one of your questions or topics, I could say such a lot about music, obviously we're the same age, 63, and it's been with me for literally 60 years from a tiny baby. Absolute constant every memory I have is prompted or related to something I heard at the time and so I'm really good with years and situations and things because I always relate it to to something around at the time anyway my little tale for my earliest memory is probably age three four at the most And it was singing into a tape deck, one of the big old heavy, whatever they were called, reel-to-reel things, um, for my mum and dad. Um, And it was... When I was just a little girl, I asked my mother, what would I be? Would I be pretty? Would I be rich? Here's what she said to me... Que Sirrah, whatever will be, will be, the future's not ours to see, que Sara So, lovely, lovely Doris, what a gorgeous lady she was. And probably the sexiest, most romantic song ever was lovely, wholesome Doris, singing Move Over Darling, which is fabulous. Anyway, I'd give anything to just hear that innocent little child's voice again um, and mum and dad's comments. So that was that. Um, lots of memories. Um, Listen to the 60s records on radio, obviously, and my 15-year-old cousin passed on about 145s to me that she'd finished with, so I could I would lie on the floor for hours with my ears pressed against the green little dance set, it was called here, portable record player, and listen to late 50s U.S. rock and roll, Chantilly Lace, Rubber Ball, I Go Ape, etc., and early British r and um, and started off my obsession on this lifelong journey, so, like others, um, the late 60s brought the Monkees at age 10. And about the first re- record that I bought was obviously the Monkees. And then Prague came along and opened up a world for me. And in 69, I discovered Led Zeppelin II and at age 12, went from Davey to Robert Plant. Big, big jump. A girl to a woman overnight. So the rest is history, and I could take hours talking about music. Love you and miss you, my darling. Let's hope we meet again next year. You know how much I adore you. Bye-bye. Much love from
0: Carolyn. (laughs) Oh, Carolyn, I loved hearing you sing. Well, it's great hearing your voice, too. Um, Oh, my God, you have such a beautiful voice. Pitch perfect, too. Okay, I'm going to check out that song by Doris Day. And I love Doris Day. She had a really unique voice. Very cool. Okay, I'll, I will love anybody who calls up and sings. In fact, did you know you can, when I talk about what we'll do next week, or 10 days, sorry Marcy, <laughs> um, you can actually call and leave a Gmail voicemail or a question or story at Rundgren at gmail.com or you could call... It's. I think the answering machine works for three minutes. Joey fixed it. It's 808-431-4881 So you can tell your story or ask me a question, and we'll play your voice on the air. Um, and I loved it. Some of you actually, when you emailed me, said I have a question, but I don't want it, my name read on the air. That's that's fine. Or a story. You told me a story, and you didn't want it read on the air. Cool too. Okay, Ray Placé has a great story about his mom. I'm going to read it. Thanks, Ray. Hi, Michelle. My mom and I had a funny relationship. I was a good kid, but didn't work at school, which rightfully aggravated my mom. She wasn't the most lovey-dovey mom, but I always knew she loved me. It was my senior year in high school, and I was actually having a surprisingly good year at school, so my mom had no complaints. She always believed she was kind of tough and would challenge me sometimes. We had a clothesline in the backyard with a nylon line. I was kind of old and, oh, oh, it was kind of old. So the clothesline was kind of old and was fraying. Parts of the line were only about half its original diameter. For some reason, she challenged me to break the line. I told her no, not wanting to break our only line, but she kept on pushing me. So there I was, a surprisingly strong, 125-pound, 17-year-old kid. I walked up to the clothesline, grabbed it, and snapped it, and then looked at her and walked away. Never got another clothesline after that. Funny times. Well, Ray, I'm sorry to tell you, I have a feeling your mom used you to get a dryer. I want to know if you guys got a dryer after that. (laughs) Yeah, we're doing Mom's Day stories. Hi, Michelle. This is from uh, Chris uh, Suriello. And I love that Chris actually put how to pronounce her name in parentheses. Siri Yellow. Chris Suriello. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for all the shout-outs on your second episode. My mom's story. My mom always was playing music. While my dad played music strictly before 1962, mom kept current. I made her very happy when I picked out the notes to If by Bread on our organ. Oh, yeah. That was her favorite song. I was seven or eight, but that's not the story. Ooh. When I was a teen, I used to work at a local grocery store, and I used to take my lunch breaks in my car listening to oldies. A song came on, Apple Peaches Pumpkin Pie. Oh, I could just, yes, I can hear it by Jay and the Techniques. And I loved it at first listen. I called my mom from a payphone asking if she knew it. Then she yelled into the phone, oh my God, I had the 45 and played it over and over when I was pregnant with you and, and I, while well, I was cleaning house. She dug up the 45 and gave it to me that evening. Crazy that! Even in the womb, I was digging the cool stuff. I guess that makes up for her calling me weekly for help using her iPad. <laughs> that was good. That was good, Chris. I liked it. You know, that's I have a a similar story of uh of Rebop being I was pregnant on tour with Second Wind when I was pregnant with Rebop. And he was quiet the entire show until we'd sing parallel lines. It was very hard hard to sing back then because he would push on both sides of my ribs and during that song, and love that song. That's when he would wake up. So as um, I didn't get to see him for the first day, first four days he was alive. But as soon as I was uh, conscious, I sang in that song and he turned his head. So uh, that's I love that she played that in the while you're in the womb, very cool. Now we have a mom story from Catherine S- Catherine Sowers and Sowers. I can never pronounce it right, Catherine. I'm just gonna Catherine S. <laughs> it's a recording, so let's pause and listen to Catherine.
2: Hey everybody, this is Catherine Sowers from Boca Raton, Florida and calling to tell a little story about my mom. My mom was a, well, became a mom at age 15 and had her fifth child by the time she was 28. We were dirt poor, lived in an apartment building in the Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco. And my. Oh, even though we were poor, my dad and she had an arrangement that he would work, sometimes three jobs, she would stay home and stay, uh, take care of the kids. Well, another family moved in, the Valentines, and they also had five kids, each one aligned with our family at the same age. It was fantastic. And the mother, her name was Kay, although her name was Catherine, I was named after her. Uh, she and Kay, my mom and Kay, became fast friends. And because we were so poor, we did things that didn't cost any money, which meant a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and uh, potato chips put in uh, brown paper Safeway bags. And we used to go to free concerts in Golden Gate Park. And it was because of my mom and Kay, you know, that I saw um, The Grateful Dead, oh, my God, so many times, Uh, Jefferson Airplane, uh, Janis Joplin Edison and On uh, Festival, Friends of Chaplin, Blue Cheer, um, we saw uh, George Harrison playing a sitar on Hippie Hill. I mean, we saw so, it, it influenced my life so much. And, you know, even though we were dirt poor, as an adult now, I, you know, I look back many years and realized what a rich childhood i had so that's my mom boy do i miss her um evelyn viola Mackey. bye
0: oh my god catherine oh my god you got to see the most amazing shows in the most amazing place i mean san francisco golden gate park Oh, I I can I can't imagine that that wouldn't influence you. So yes, I can. It I know it influenced you. That's that explains a lot. That's why you're so talented. <laughs> I know you must miss Evelyn, but I just call her up. Better yet, you know what if you next time I see you, tell me what how you're like your mom. I just like it when people have things that they carry on that they loved about. Somebody, especially if they're their family, and take it on. All right, Larry, Larry to- I think I'm pronouncing it right. T o r r e, Larry Tori. Loving the podcast, Michelle. It's great hearing from people in our age group. <laughs> Some point of reference. You had to be there, I guess. My first memories of my mom were me sitting in the high chair in the kitchen. Mom couldn't get me to eat. My parents got me one of those picnic spinner little record players. Picnic spinner? Yeah, picnic spinner little record players that look like a little suitcase. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember those. I was mesmerized by watching a record spin, and it was the only way she'd get, she'd get some food into my mouth. She started my love of records and bought me a lot of children's records, like Tales of the Brothers Grimm. But I especially love the little 45s, and a lot of them were colored vinyl. Yeah, 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 I remember the red and the blue, I think yellow Oh, I yep, he says, I had a lot of yellow records, which I loved. She would usually watch the Jacqueline Lane show every day and listen to AM radio. These are singles I made her, uh, made for her, but but for me. She passed away in 2013. I talk to her every day. Ah, and there's no other loves like mom's. That is so great that you still talk to her, even though she's uh, gone to some other horizon. As a matter of fact... Don't ask me how it started, because I honestly don't remember. But I also had a wonderful letter-writing relationship with Todd's mom, Ruth. Yes, Ruth wrote to a a lot of people and loved that. It was great that that everybody did that for her and she for you. He says, um, Larry says, she was a lovely person, and at the time, I thought of her as a second mom. Aw, some of the ink has faded on the letters, but I still have her handwritten envelopes. Thank you so much for doing this, Michelle. I'm Larry from Brooklyn, age 62. I was at the recording of Todd's Sons of 1984. And, oh my God, this is great. I'm on the back cover in the crowd. It was my first Todd show. <laughs> oh my, God. That is amazing. I bet if I had been you, I would have told all my friends. Okay, I went to the first show, and then it was a live recording. And I'm on the freaking album cover. <laughs> <laughs> love from brooklyn it's great to communicate uh, that was a fun story larry thanks all right i've got some random thoughts from the other bruce yeah bruce wetstone <laughs> uh, bruce says hi michelle love you congrats on starting your new podcast i've been listening it's good to hear your voice well added james brown well 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 where do we start well 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 <laughs> <laughs> don't worry we'll work in superman in a few minutes oh okay intrigued i don't read these ahead of time because it's so much fun to read them i could draw you a floor plan of our little house on the prairie no not of our prairie the corn and hay fields of iowa prairie we lived in a little tiny farmhouse that for the first two years of my existence on this planet had no indoor plumbing oh my god that's right we had to pump water from the well outside, and the bathroom was a for real outhouse in the out back. Of course I was in diapers, and then used a potty chair, so it wasn't bad for me, as it was my parents and as it was for my parents and older brother. All these people complaining about toilet paper shortages? Well, I remember when the arrival of Sears Catalog in the mail was a cause for celebration because there were soft pages in the index si- section. Corn cobs were were a respectable substitute. If you don't believe me, Google it. I do remember hearing that. But when I was two years old, my sister Malia was born. Mom named her after Art Linkletter's daughter, as Mom was a big Art Letter Art Linkletter fan, and she liked the name. My mom always said it was a Hawaiian name, but online there seems to be some debate about that. Well, Bruce, Malia is a Hawaiian name, but not the way your mom spelled her. Name, so maybe she uh it is a Hawaiian name though. Well, with Malia joining the family, Mom put her foot down. With the three kids it was time to get indoor plumbing. I still remember the addition to the house where my dad and uncles built the toilet, sink, and bathtub. Prior to the construction, our weekly baths were in the kitchen sink when we were young and small enough to fit. And then the wash tub out in the yard when the weather cooperated. There was a pecking order who got the hot water and who had to wait until the first person was done. Anyway, that's my first memory. While experts say you don't recall things prior to age three, I have a clear recollection of my mom nursing my baby sister. And that was at my age two and a half. And Bruce has more stories that I'm going to read in other episodes. So, but that, yes, oh my God, I can't. So I, I know you had it okay because you were so young, but... All of us, can you imagine being a mother with three kids? Oh, wait, let's see. Was it three kids? Yeah, three kids and an outhouse and nub. Oh, my God, Bruce. Yeah, your mother was a saint. (laughs) Okay, Uh, great mother story from Kathy Lee. Well, I'm saying it even though I haven't read it. Uh, Kathy Lee said, listen to your second podcast today, fun and touching. Thanks, Kathy Lee. Lydia, my mother was an amazing woman. I use the past tense not because she is no longer with us, but because on the virtual eve of her 94th birthday, birthday she, is in, she is sheltered in place in an assisted living facility we moved her into after dad died two years ago. Meals are brought to the residence rooms now, and the only people she sees every day are masked and gowned employees who bring her meals, medication, and mail. For a social creature, this is very difficult for her, and it's tragic to observe the toil in her mental decline over the phone every day. Oh, boy. Lydia was a brilliantly intelligent, talented, and stunningly beautiful woman. She graduated from Vassar College in three years? Whoa. Traveled Europe after the Second World War, volunteering as a candy striper during it, and hosted the first daytime television talk show in Detroit? whoa a charming, talented, singing, dancing art. And genteel as she was, when it came to her children, she was a mother tiger. I believe I inherited many of her traits and am now the mother tiger to her. Advocating for her health and welfare and handling her financial affairs. It's a strange flip-flop, made all the more strange recently as we can only visit through a window. I will send flowers on her birthday, which will make her happy but not being able to kiss her cheek. Oh, it makes me very sad. Me too. Kathy Lee says, I'll finish this with a quote I saw recently. Whenever you feel overwhelmed, remember... Oh, no, I got to read that better. Whenever you, are, whenever you feel overwhelmed, remember whose daughter you are and straighten your crown. <laughs> uh, thank you, CLB. Well, oh, I got emotional on that one. Oh, Now, I praised Sharon Barber's uh, writing last week, and she sent me something else. I haven't read it yet. I'm going to take a sip of beer and read it. Dear Michelle, Loving the podcast, not just because you said you like my writing, LOL. <laughs> Superman's Daughter is the Perfect Name. That story is wonderful. Thanks for sharing it. And this is her response to the mom stories. My mom was truly one of a kind. When I was born, she was nearly 40, and people would exclaim, Wow! But it didn't click for me until I turned 40. I can't even imagine raising a toddler at that age. (laughs) The greatest gift I got from my mom was that she did all her work emotionally to tear down the barriers she faced. She was born in 1921, just a year after women were given the right to vote. Oh, jeez. She joined the Army in 1941, immediately after women were allowed to serve. She had two children and raised them like everyone else did, without too much conscious thought of who her children were, mirroring her own childhood. When she got pregnant with me, her third child, she consciously decided to take a leap forward. She started with the book Parent Effectiveness Training, which spurred an extensive consciousness-raising journey. I remember best the book, I'm okay, you're okay. To me, a grade schooler, it made logical sense. Know that you're okay and that the other person is okay and go from there. It sounds simple, but in practice, it's really not. The benefit for me is that she took me along with her on this journey, teaching me as she learned so I didn't form many of those traditional barriers. In turn, her lessons have allowed me even further growth getting closer to where we're all trying to get, free of the usual traps our ego sets. I feel as though these lessons have been further amplified for my own children. They're incredible examples of self-actualized humans, so clear about who they are and how best to get where they want to be. It's literally a miracle. When I compare them to my grandmother's Victorian-era attitudes, (laughs) Mom's been gone since 2011, And these precious lessons are with me in every moment and truly support me in every way. Once, when I came home to visit in my early 20s, she was having a group session in our living room. And one of the exercises was for each person to stand up and go around the circle to say directly to everyone else, loud and proud, I matter! I matter! At the time, I didn't really know why is because, of course, she mattered. Now I realize she had her doubts, even then, decades into the process. I hope now she can see the fruit of her journey brought to us and that she has no more doubt. She matters very, very much, in intentionally present tense. Ah, I'm gonna have trouble reading all of these, ah, if they're sentimental. Happy Mother's Day to you, Michelle. I'm sure you're a ray of sunshine and love for all who call you mom. Oh, thanks, Sharon. <laughs> Silly, huh? I got emotional because that sounded like something my mom would say. Okay, I got to pause for a second. Oh no, I'm fine. Okay, little breathe, little breath, little breath. I'm gonna sip some uh, club soda. <laughs> And I'm going to read my mom's story. Of course, we all have so many, but I, I wanted to choose a really early one. Mom had a day off from teaching her sixth grade class because it was Columbus Day. I was an excited five-year-old getting ready to go across the big bridge from Albany to Corvallis, Oregon. Mom said stores had big sales and Jeannie, my four-year-old brother, and I could pick out Halloween decorations. Woo! Woo! <laughs> the three of us loaded into the periwinkle blue Plymouth and waved to daddy who had the day off and was taking care of five month old baby Jonathan we got to the stores as they opened and breezed through three or four stores picking up well I don't, I don't remember what else we picked up I just remember the Halloween decorations tons of them because mom always decorated the house and, and her classroom oh and the school hallways she loved Halloween. She she would even dress up in costumes and read scary stories to her class to us. Uh, stories she would read stories to her class and to us. Okay, mom put the decorations into the trunk of the car and helped us into the back seat. She was always teaching, tell, telling stories, and pointing out wonderful things in our surroundings. I say that like matter of fact because, you know, even as adults, she just kept doing that and. We didn't make fun of her, but we would, you know, the three of us, jean John, and I would uh, make comments alone. It was still teaching moments, still teaching moments, even though we adored her and that. Okay, where was I? Okay, so she was always telling stories and pointing out wonderful things. This morning was no exception. As we drove on the two-lane highway, Mom said, Wow, kids, wow, look at the leaves blowing off the trees. Oh, oh, look at the birds flying all crazy. It's so windy, they can't even fly straight. Oh, look, the trees are losing the jewelry like branches are flying off like bracelets. Kids, 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 I need you to get down on the floor of the car. Now, put your hands over your heads just in case the branches hit the windows. Good, good job. Good job. Up ahead, the highway patrol was diverting all the cars up a country road. Jeanie and I popped up because we felt the car slow and turn. The road was a visible loop, a mile up to a huge Victorian house. Then it curved around the back of the house and back down to the highway. What looked like hundreds of cars had already pulled up and around the two miles of driveway stopped at the, at the highway. It's hard to explain. A big, huge two-mile horseshoe, and we were at about, uh, our car stopped at about three o'clock, because all the cars had gone, you know, all the way around. Our car was right next to the huge Victorian house. The sky had gotten very gray, and the car was rocking with the wind Mom turned on the radio, but there was no signal from the radio towers. We all looked at the two older ladies in the Victorian house. They were looking out their picture window, and when they saw us, they motioned for my mom to come into their house to bring the kids. By this time, the wind was so noisy, you had to yell, and our car and all the cars were being strongly pelted with branches. It sounded like the wind was a train of rocks hitting the car, and oh, it was it was... At the time the loudest thing I'd ever heard. My mom yelled to be heard. I'm going to the car to carry Jeannie. I'm going to carry Jeannie into that house and I'm coming right back for you. Do not leave the car. I'm coming right back for you. Jeannie climbed into the front seat and mom opened the door. She tried to hold it but the wind pushed it open. She held Jeannie, tucking his head into her chest, and one arm protected his body, her hand on his head. She got out of the car and fought to steady herself. She had to lean way into the wind, taking slow, determined steps. The open door acted like a sail. The car bucked up and down, and I just knew I was going to be blown away in the periwinkle Plymouth. I felt like Dorothy. I hadn't seen that yet. I just made that up. My mom reappeared at the car door and fought the storm to get back to me. She carried me the same way she'd saved Jeannie. By then the morning sky was very, very dark. I remember the antiques inside the house. I remember the two kind old ladies and I remember drinking hot chocolate. I must've fallen asleep. I always did. And I sometimes still do fall asleep in times of great stress. I think we were there for about eight hours. When the highway patrol started letting cars back onto the road to go home, it was pitch black, not a light in sight. Our headlights shone on all the downed trees. They all seemed to be down. The bridge from crevallis to Albany was very scary. Only one lane of traffic at a time because giant trees had flown and pierced through every space in between the steel girders loggers had been called in to slice the trees to give a long tree corridor the entire length of the bridge so a line of cars could get through you could look left and right and you couldn't see the river well it was pitch dark anyway but it literally was like they built a house a long long corridor of round logs. I can still recall it in my dreams. 50 Oregonians died that day from flying debris and falling trees and later we learned the Coast Guard station at Cape Blanco, Oregon measured gusts of 145 to 179 miles an hour. It was the most powerful extratropical cyclone to hit the west coast causing three to five billion dollars in damage and that's 1962 dollars it was night as we pulled up to our pitch black neighborhood dad had his police flashlight at the door to guide our way he was dressed in his full police uniform except for his hat and gun and as we he as we entered he handed baby jonathan to my mom and said only one sentence The power's out, the fence is down, the roof is in the backyard, and I don't know when I'll be home, might be days. He put on his hat, strapped on his gun, grabbed his flashlight, and went off into the night to help people. My mom started a fire in the fireplace. We lit a candle, and we had a cookout. She put a pot on the fire of pork and beans and cut up weenies. She had us try to cut up the weenies. Even though it was too dark to see out, we cut up weenies by candlelight. She was always making anything a fun project. (laughs) I wouldn't look towards our picture windows. Even though you couldn't see out, I just wouldn't look there. I didn't want to see our roof in the backyard. I knew where the attic crawl was if someone, not me, poked their head up there. I wondered if they'd see the sky. Hey, we keep our Christmas decor up there. Are they all blown away? No one had yet explained to me that the roof being gone meant shingles. That night, Mom tucked us both into Jeannie's room. He had the trundle bed and she knew we'd feel safer together. The wind was still making noise. The whole time Mom is talking about what an adventure we had la 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 la. nothing 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 is ever terrible in our house La, la 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 even though she sang us a sad song before leaving us to sleep with candles and i still remember that song i can't believe she sang this song i think she must have been rattled too and so just tried to sing a soothing quiet song that she didn't have to think about and her first thing she sang was Oh, don't you remember a long time ago Two little babes whose names I don't know Were stolen away one fine summer's day And left in the woods I've heard people say They sobbed and they sighed, and they bitterly cried. Two little babes, they laid down and died. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I heard my mom's voice. I would, I would have started that song in a much lower key. <laughs> anyway, thanks, you guys. Even though it's funny, it's like in the middle of the day when I'm recording this. But, uh, and I, even though I got teary, I like feeling all these feelings. I like reminiscing. So thanks for letting me do it. <clears throat> okay. All right. So the only thing I remember about that night were the two candles staring, no, sorry, two candles scaring the shit out of me. <laughs> you know, she sang us that song and then she, well, the candles were lit and she left the room. She always left the door open so we could call her in the middle of the night, which we always did. She always came, always calm. But that night it was too noisy to be heard. So I, I don't know if Jeannie was scared. But those two freaking candles, Jeannie and I picked out ones with frightening looking skulls, black cats with fangs and blood coming out of their eyes. Or at least I thought that's what it was. So we did survive the night. We survived the candles and the 1962 Columbus Day Storm, a hurricane in the middle of Oregon. It actually hit California, Oregon and Washington. Okay, I wiped the tears out of my eyes. I'm going to sip a beer. I do like thinking of my mom, though, because she was amazing. Okay, Gail Glenny burke Um, Hi, Michelle. I thought I would email you about your great podcast before you start getting inundated with emails. Maybe you can file this away for a future show. I just read the article in Music Connection, and Todd told a story about Paul McCartney being a terrible person. Well, if I'm channeling my mom, I would say maybe he was just having a bad day, that Paul McCartney or Todd, when he told the story. (laughs) So uh, Gail says, I can imagine you have interesting stories about well-known people. I do realize Todd wrote some in his book. I'm wondering if you can tell us some stories about the coolest people you've met and also stories about well-known people who weren't. I'm not particularly looking for them to be identified. You're a great storyteller. Oh, yikes. I'm enjoying listening to your stories, and I imagine you have some entertaining ones to tell about those experiences. In that same article, Todd was talking about the number of costume changes he goes through in a show. He spoke about showmanship. I love that he sometimes dances. It sounds like dance has been a profound influence on you. I'm wondering what influence your artistry has on the performances from dance to costumes, etc.? Whoa, Gail, you just sent a letter about two show titles. So, yeah, those are what you mentioned were actually two different shows that I have planned uh, on doing. So, uh, I think I'll just announce next week's right now. Um, I'm going to do... I do have some really fun stories about people. And if they're... I don't know if I have bad ones. I probably do, but... Just like my mom. Oh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. But let's make the next podcast about, I was going to say my brush with greatness, but that's too normal. Let's do my brushings and blushings with greatness. Okay. Brushings with an R and blushings with an L. My blushings and or blushings with greatness. Now, remember, I need stories from you guys. I need questions and I need your stories. You're putting this podcast together and making it easy for me. <laughs> so again, you can call 808-431-4881 and record your story or your questions. And we'll play them on the air. Or you can write your stories or questions to me. michellerengren at gmail.com. And Michelle is M-I-C-H-E-L-E, one L. I know you know how to spell Rundgren. Oh my gosh, you know what? That reminds me. Uh, I was road manager on the Japanese tour uh, in the 80s uh, that Todd did. And I so I put together all the, the little tiny tour booklet. And I spelled Rundgren wrong. Now, I'd already been living with them for years and years. It was just a typo, but I didn't check on it. And all the tour books went out to <laughs> oh well yeah i didn't even notice it until we got to japan and i looked at it like oh geez <sighs> well then when i finally got uh his name legally i had spelled it right <laughs> anyway thank you gail you gave me two uh two great storylines and i was gonna do both of them so maybe i'll tell one of my david bowie stories yeah the tubes uh, it was the Tubes and David Bowie and Peter Gabriel. All three bands got to do uh, a tour. We did most of the Northwest, I believe. And oh my gosh, that was, that was amazing. And I do have a lot of great stories, so I'll drag them out. Uh, one more quick story about my mom. And uh, you recognize the title of the show. My mom's personality never changed as she got older. Her memory faded, but the personality didn't, even on days when she didn't remember my name. But she never freaking forgot Todd. (laughs) It drove me, oh my gosh, it drove me and my brothers crazy when since the 80s, she would ask every stranger on the beach, she lived in Oceanside, Oregon, or every person in line at Fred Meyer, every stranger, And she'd say, do you like rock? This is her opening line. Do you like rock music? I mean, can you imagine just somebody you don't know just looking at you? Do you like rock music? Oh, you do? Do you know my son-in-law, Todd Rundgren? And it would go from there. (laughs) Even if people didn't know who Todd was, the fact that this lady, that was her son-in-law, and they were like, I bet they went home and checked him out. I bet they listened to some tunes. I know, I know it was great, but it drove us nuts. Because especially if we were with her, or if I was with her, I would just, oh my, because what do you, what do I say? I just smile and go back and get more milk. (laughs) I was proud to be Patty Gray's daughter. Whether she introduced me that way or occasionally at the end forgot who I was. In those times when she forgot who I was, I was still pretty honored, because she would introduce me as the little girl who comes to sing to me. You're unforgettable, Mom. Happy Mother's Day, every day. Damn it! I didn't even finish my bear, and I got sentimental. I want to thank my high school cheerleading compatriot. Heather Thompson, for turning me on to Spike O'Neill's version of a Todd song. Did you guys hear it on Bob Rivers' show? I think uh, my producer, Joey Ray, is going to put it at the end of this. It is great. I happened to click play right when Todd walked into the room, and he cracked up, too. Um, yeah, you can check it out on YouTube. You can either check out Bob Rivers' show, or I think it's under uh, YouTube, I Can't Go to Work, dash, coronavirus parody it's he does a great job <laughs> i want to let you know that uh if you're uh, lonesome or even if you're not lonesome on fridays at four twenty hawaii time now you're gonna have to look that up because sometimes it's six hours from new york sometimes it's five hours sometimes it's three hours from the west coast sometimes it's two hours we don't change our clocks here in hawaii which I totally think everybody should get on board with that. Anyway, every Friday at 4.20 Hawaii time, Tiki and Niki does 4.20 Fridays, where we're going to teach you exactly how to make all of our cocktails. Now, most of that is normally secret. Bars don't like you to know how to make these because they think you won't come in. But I have a feeling you're coming to Kauai, Right. This is one of the safest places on earth right now. We have zero cases on Kauai. We're still socially distancing. We're still sheltered in place. Um, everyone has to wear face masks in public except if you're uh, exercising at the beach. So you can't go hang out at the beach, but you can swim, surf, jog, walk. So life is, life is pretty good here. And it's just so freaking gorgeous. Oh yeah, next week I'll read um, I'll read a story about somebody going coming to Kauai and asking about feral cats. Thanks for sending that. That's another question. And as always, mahalo to my producer, Joey Ray, and my family for allowing me to tell stories. Love you. And thank you to my boyfriend for promising not to listen so I can just say anything I want. Don't tell him anything I said. And since this week... We'll celebrate Mother's Day, a special day. I hope you get to thank your mom or somebody who's acted like your mom or just uh, another female for being cool in your life. I want to thank Bean. Bean is Rex and Randy's mom, Todd's, you know, the mother of Todd's Rex and Randy. And I want to say that Bean, you invited me into the family and shared Rex and Randy. You graciously let me co-parent and to become mom number two. How many women could be that giving and that magnanimous? I love you, Bean. Mahalo, Rex, Randy, Rebop, and Keone. I'm honored to be your mom. I love our family. And to all of you out there, I love our extended family and friends. Aloha Nui, aloha.
3: Thanks for listening to the Michelle Rundgren Podcast, episode three. You can also email Michelle, Michelle Rundgren at gmail.com for your questions or 808-431-4881. My name is Joey. I'm the producer. If you have questions for me, you can follow me at joeyray three thousand on Instagram, at Kawhi Today on Instagram. That's my podcast, Kawhi Today. Check that out. Give Michelle some love, buy a t-shirt, help out the podcast. The link is in the notes. Thank you very much. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Thank you very much, Michelle. Happy Mother's Day to you. Happy Mother's Day to all the listeners. Happy Mother's Day to my mother back in Texas. I want to thank my wife also who is here on Kauai, wrangling our 14-year-old boys and me and a dog in quarantine. You can imagine. Thank you very much. We love you. Aloha.